welcome to the Wrestling Heroes and Insiders Podcast, aka The Whip Show. Your co-hosts, Deshaun Whip Dog Whipple and Devastating Daryl Pace, each and every week will bring in some of the top pro wrestlers from around the world. I'm talking WWE, WCW, Impact Wrestling, NWA, and more. So sit back, get your favorite drink, and listen to some great stories told by those amazing and sometimes crazy pro wrestling superstars. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Wrestling Heroes and Insiders Podcast, a.k.a. The Whip Show. Season 3. We are here. We've already had some great episodes, but this one is going to be fabulous. Right here, right now, you know what it is. I am Deshaun Whip Dog Whipple, and I'm here with my tag team partner, my wrestling historian, and the guy that carries my bags to all our shows. <laughs> Talk to him. Hey, devastating Daryl Pace here in the control center, the cold, freezing cold control center. It's the middle of February here, right? Oh, so I'm, I'm here. I'm ready, ready to go for whoever our guest is. You didn't tell me who it was, so... I'm kind of, you know, I'm not I'm not quite ready today. Oh, you can't see him anyway. Yeah, I can't see him. I, I, it's just an empty screen. Like, who, who, who what are we doing today? You know who we got today, man. I want to welcome an amazing personality. Um, he's like a reverse second-generation performer. Can we give it up for Mr. Johnny Fabulous, a.k.a. John Cena Sr.? How are you doing today, sir? Well, obviously, I'm doing fabulous. What else would you expect? It's good Absolutely. to be great, but it's great to be fabulous. Uh, I know it is, man. Now, where are you coming from? Like I said, we're in Michigan. Where are you coming from? Right here in good old West Newbury, Massachusetts, where it's 15 degrees. There's snow on the ground and more snow coming. I tell you, I, I never should have sold my place in Florida. <laughs> I know. That's right, man. I thought we were bad here. Y'all, whoo. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you again for coming on the show, man. But I do want to ask you this. With all the pandemic craziness going on, how are you holding up? We're holding up fine. I think what it is, is it the case of using this? It's a case of being smart, wearing that mask, listening to what people are saying. Be courteous, reach out, help others. If you get a shot at the vaccine, I guess that's a double negative. Take it or think about not taking it. Just rationalize the difference. But whatever you do, just use common sense. And you know what? We'll all get through this together. And there's a greater person than I that said, and this too shall pass. You better talk, man. We don't even have to have a show now. He just gave you all the education <laughs> you need, man, right there. Come on, man. Well, he's doing good. He's not over there by himself. I saw somebody in the background helping him out. Who are you quarantined with over there? The, the blonde, you mean? Yeah. What's going on oh, over there? Oh, you mean Monice. That's Monice. She, she, she's, we're using her computer. We're her, she, she's here. We got to have her because, like I said earlier, as I said to Daryl, the only thing I know is you push the button, it comes on. Then you do what you got to do, and then that's all I know about it. Zoom, I thought that's what a car did when you drove it back and forth. Oh, but, oh man. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Johnny, I want to say again, first of all, thank you. But the first question I really want to get into is this. Um, I said earlier about you being a uh, reverse second generation performer. Um, so how did your love for pro wrestling start? And then, because you didn't start off being a wrestler and putting John in it. You were watching him and then you started promoting and doing stuff. So tell me how you started liking wrestling and then how did that happen? Well, it's a very easy thing. Uh, when I was a young kid, um, I used to spend a lot of time with my grandfather. Uh, he was Italian. He liked the Westerns, the Lone Stranger, Hubble and Cassidy. But always there would be that wrestling show, Killer Kowalski show that would come on at one o'clock in the afternoon um, or the other wrestling shows that would come on. And while he took his nap, I watched wrestling. So I got involved in it at a very young age, watched it, enjoyed it. As I grew older, I thought of ways that I could maybe get into pro wrestling. Uh, I always thought about going to uh, Walt Kowalski's school, but that never transpired. Um, over, and it was right down the street in Salem, Massachusetts at the YMCA. And I decided that the easiest way to do it would be getting to help promote it. So local groups would say, we want a wrestling show to come in. I'd get in contact. We'd bring the stars in, we'd do the shows. And then as I get, when I get married, uh, it was a case of, well, I've got these kids coming. I can't do both. I've got to pay attention to being a dad. So I just kind of let it drop. And then the divorce came. Um, and that's what kind of really kind of put me on the skids, put me down in the dumps. Um, I did my job, my work, but I wasn't 150% there, if you know what I mean. Um, and then one day, uh, I was uh, reading one of the newspaper dirt sheets, and then one of my friends gave me a call. He said, hey, Star Wars Wrestling. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Great performer, great wrestling. He's out of it now. Knuckles Nelson um, asked me um, if I would go down and try out for ring announcer. And I said, yeah, I, my friend Tom Knuckles, I'll come down. I get in the ring, um, and John had already been on TV. John had been in the business for two years now. I called John, by the way. And said, hey, John, you know, I've, I've got a chance to go do this, this gimmick, this ring announcer. What do you think? And he said to me, you know, you're, you're pretty well down in the dumps. You're out there. Why don't you just do it? And I said, okay. And I did. I just went and did it. And um, Knuckles said to me, wow, great set of pipes. Great. Want you, the, you know, great announcer, but I've got somebody. I said, okay, no, no big deal, man. Uh, somebody else was also looking. He said, no, hold it, hold it, hold it. He said, I am looking for a heel manager. Oh, did I just hit the gold mine? Wow. Right time, right place. 34 years married, bingo gone. You know, I said, whoa, a heel? Great. So um, that's where, how I started to get in. And, and, you know, the name Johnny Fabulous was sitting there. And he said, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? I said, people hate people who are rich, who demean others, who own oodles of property. You know, obviously I don't. That's, please don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, um, and so I said, you know, I don't know. Maybe Johnny Cash, Money Jack, Johnny Money. Um, and then we said, you know, whatever we do or whatever character we create, he definitely has to be fabulous. I go, wow, hold it. And Knuckles said, that's it. So what Johnny Fabulous. Johnny Fabulous came into being um, and my first show at uh, down there at the pavilion in, in, in Salisbury Beach 
by the way, when it rained rudely, um, there was some great stars down there. We had some great fun. Uh, I guess when we when he opened the doors, close to 800 people for an indie show. That was just amazing. And uh, I remember my first night there when I got really started um, being the heel. So that's really how I get in after John uh, Jr. was already in the business. Wow, that's an amazing story. Now, 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 now tell us a little bit, right? So I know, you know, as you tell that story, you know, you started off watching, you know, wrestling when you're a kid, with your dad, you ended up being, you know, in wrestling. What about that middle portion of that? I mean, have you been watching wrestling all the way through to, to your son, you know, becoming a part of it? Was that kind of a spark? You know, what, what was going on, you know, in that middle portion there? Well, the middle portion is very simple. Um, I, you always see it on the DVDs or you hear me talk about it all the time. I got cable TV. People said, wow, you got cable TV. Yeah, well, that's like getting your first car. I get cable TV for only one reason. My, my former spouse would say, oh, they'll be able to watch, you know, science channels and Sesame Street on channel two. So what are you crazy? No way. I bought it so I could watch wrestling. So me and the boys would sit in front, yep, we'd sit in front of the cable TV and on would come the the uh, the wrestling shows. And so we'd sit there and we'd watch them. And then little by little, um, I'd have friends still out there would say, hey John, uh, they got a show coming to Lowell High School, Salem Armory. Uh, they got a show coming over here to Newburyport. So I'd grab the kids, my son uh, John and Dan. Uh, my other sons weren't quite into it. So I said, come on guys, let's go. And you know, then uh, for a, a high school show uh, or in, a, in, a, in a, the Armory, tickets were like $10, $12. And people laugh at me all the time because we used to go, I used to take them to the Boston Garden. We'd park and revere and take the, the trolley, I call it the trolley, but the MTA into Boston Garden. And when, when I tell you I'm afraid of heights, I am afraid of heights. Where did we end up sitting every show? Because that's all I could afford. <laughs> I couldn't get any closer to God. I think he must have heard me. When, when, <laughs> sorry, Lord, but I'm going to say this. I said, Jesus, don't let the seat move and don't let me fall. And it was like, my sons would look at me and they go, Dad, let go of the seat. No, no. And, you know, because that was just like this, straight yes. down. And, um, so all the times I'm taking them here, taking them there um, to pro wrestling shows, we got to meet some of the, um, the stars, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, they were, wow, they thought he was out of this world when they had a chance to say hello to him uh, because they were good. When they did those shows, they were able to come by and say hello. You know, unlike the big, the big stuff, like I'm watching behind you, um, they can't do that type of stuff. So the fill-in is right there. Um, and then obviously they kind of, the pro wrestling side just kind of went its way. But for me, pro wrestling always was part of me. Um, and so I just found other ways for me to, to enjoy it. Um, I used to, well, a lot of people now I'll tell you another thing. I used to, when I was going through college, I held three jobs. And one of my jobs was to take obituaries and write stories for the Salem Evening News in Salem, Massachusetts. So the sports editor, Tony Romano, I don't know if he's still alive or not, would say to me, I got these freaking tickets, wrestling tickets. Will you cover it if I give you these tickets? I said, oh God, I'll do it. I'm probably gonna be way up there again. Afraid I'm gonna lose my dinner. Ringside seats. 
ringside seats. And, and I'll tell you, it was great because I was in the midst of all this frenzy. And when Bruno Sammartino was in there and he was getting beat, I see people put their feet because then they had folding wooden chairs, putting their feet through wooden chairs, screaming, ready to kill Ivan Kolov. I'm going, whoa, this is crazy. So that, that's how I feel then as the boys, the boys kind of left and went on from there. Nice, nice. Well, I got to tell you, one thing, and I'm noticing it right now with you, you have a lot of energy. So now I wonder, we don't have to worry where John gets it from. Now you talked about announcing and everything. Did you ever want to be an actor or something also? Because there was one WWE Monday Night Raw scene that's very famous and infamous with you and Edge. And on the, on the documentary, they're talking about how you were going. You were just bringing the energy. Where did you get that energy from, man? You know what? The energy comes from those people who surround you. You know, the, the saddest part about this, this coronavirus situation right now is for the young men and women in the indies as well as the major promotions, WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling, um, no crowds. You have nothing to react to, nothing to interplay with. Even though the individuals that you're working with bring a lot of that charisma out. Uh, I remember when Edge broke into the house. Is that what you're referring to? Yes, yes. That episode? Yes. Oh, yeah. That was like, that was so funny. I'll give you a, a funny story. They pulled up. Hi, Edge. Adam Copeland, Lita. Hi, how you doing? Bruce Pritchard, by the way, was the producer. Another great human being. Yeah. Um, and so they said, well, we're going to knock the door and we'll come in. Well, <laughs> Edge didn't knock. He just shoved. The door was open. He goes, boom, right into the wall. I said, well, that's a good stock, guys. There was a hole that big in my wall. And now they're going to take over my house. So working with Edge, Adam Copeland, and Lita was just so wonderful because we kind of fed off of each other. You know, that's the one thing, if you all notice, it's missing in professional wrestling today. Nobody feeds off of anybody. That psychology is gone. And they give you the energy to come up with that, if that's what I can, can use. So I, I guess that's where it comes from. And the other reason I, I guess any of us involved in this business have that energy is because we love what we do. I got to tell you, I love what I do. I love being out there, love doing what I can do. I, I love giving to charities. Um, you know, I just love what I do and the people I am allowed and have been allowed to work with and manage. Nice, nice. Well, I, I, I'm gonna ask this as well. Now you did say you were divorced previously, um, but you always loved pro wrestling. How does the wifey feel about your love for it? Now granted, you have, your son is the biggest pro wrestler in the world, but still, how does she feel about her husband still wanting to watch Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown and the pay-per-views and wanting to promote? Well, here's the answer. One, I'm not married. Oh, okay. I, I, I never, <laughs> you know what? I'm Italian all the way, 100% Italian. My father is in Napoli, Naples, my mother, Genoese side. You know what? Happy people, good time, eat, enjoy life. That's what it's meant to be. Be friends with everybody. Love the world. Man, I'm so sick of this shit. If that's what I can use, 
You know, people hating on everybody. Oh, mother, don't get me started. Anyway, I don't, I don't have a wife. I have a wonderful girlfriend, Monice. Uh, she's she's super, very super. Um, but I have once around the block when the car goes one way and the road splits. Ain't time to find that road and get back on it. It's time to go straight ahead and enjoy yourself. And, and you know what? Life is a journey. And if you can't go through this journey, helping out people, shaking hands, smiling, enjoying it, and giving something back, you've wasted it. Why worry about stuff you can't change? Why try to be somebody you're not? Let's just, let's just all bring it together. You know, and, and let's let's just make it work. Let's all enjoy this ride because we're all beginning to see how short this ride really is. Yeah, agree, agree, agree. Now, oh, I'm sorry, Daryl. Go ahead. No, no, no. So, so let me ask you a little bit. I mean, uh, I got first of all, I apologize. I got about a billion questions. Well, <laughs> one thing I know you talked about. You know, when you you know be, becoming a manager, becoming an, an announcer, you know, who are some of the people that you looked up to that you kind of you know you know grab gravitated from or grab grab part of your character from? You know, you got Bobby Heenan's, you got people like that. You know, who are some of those managers, announcers that you kind of you know helped you tune in your character a little bit? I've been very. I was very fortunate um, to work with the Grand Wizard when he managed Stan Stasiak. Uh, I was promoting a couple of shows. They were there. What a wonderful human being. Learned a lot. And Captain Lou Albano. I was very fortunate to work with him. Um, Freddie Blassie. You know, a couple of shows with Freddie. There's a guy that... There's a key. You crack my gate. What the hell are you looking I mean, I got to tell you something. Uh, so those are the people. You know, Bobby the Brain Heenan. A genius. A genius. Um, Captain Lou Albano, two 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 um, managers, um, Heenan and Al Albano, that not only managed but wrestled, which added to the persona. So I looked up to those guys. Um, you know, I look up to Paul Heyman. What a great guy Heyman is. You know, there's underrated. Let me tell you right now. I'll tell you who else I look up to when I when I, I give a seminar or chat with people to young women who want to get into the, the ballet or managing side. I said, you cannot overlook one of the best in the business. You know, Sherry Martel, yeah. you can't overlook Vicky Guerrero. Look at what that woman did. All she had to do is come out with the stick in her hand, didn't say, only said one word. Excuse me. <laughs> Bang, the house came down. So, I mean, those are some of the folks that I look up to. I can't tell you the number of hours. I probably have... I don't know, eight or 10 plastic bins, big ones, downstairs with video tapes that I've converted some to um, DVDs, just watching the managers, um, looking at fine points. I always learn something every day. Whenever I watch a show, I pick something else up. I see something new. I look at some of the new managers. I think we ought to look at some of the old ones. But those are the guys that I look up to in the managing business. That's great. I mean, I know all those guys are extremely colorful. Captain Lou, I, I, I can only imagine the stories and <laughs> the scenarios that uh, uh, <laughs> that you might have witnessed with Captain Lou. Lou was um, Lou was a genuine person. 
Um, I, um, I remember doing a show with him in um, Webster, Massachusetts, I think it was, and um, Louis Shoot the Breeze. And, you know, I, I, something I didn't know, he wore a cross around his neck. And I didn't realize how much faith this man really had. And my question was, you know, how did it all happen? When he went for his surgery for his heart, they were wheeling him down and he knew he could die. And this, the way he told it to me was, he looked up and said, if I get through this, I promise I'll be a different person. And I'll tell you what, wow, what a great, what a great human being, a tremendous loss to the wrestling business, you know, but I'll tell you, I learned a lot from him. He's funny, comical stories, <laughs> but there again, um, you take a look at him. If you watch him, if you look at his mannerisms, there's all these little fine points that you can pick up and you can learn from. And he was so great to work with. I was the heel. He was the face. Imagine that. We reversed the roles. Um, yeah. You know, I used to call him Mr. Elastic Band. I, didn't, I would look at his bag and say, one day, what are you, about 5,000 bands in there? Got to hang up his face, your ears, you know? It's like string, pull them back and let them go. Um, but he was very, very interesting to work with. You know, I guess I'll say it right now. A lot of these people that I've, I've been allowed to work with, who've been so kind to allow me to be part of their lives, I watched on TV. Lou Albano, I watched him on television. Um, uh, you know, Paul Heyman, um, just Greg Valentine, Tito Santana. It, it's a dream come true. It really is. And um, I guess, back to your managing, I'm sorry I digress. Um, but that's how I learned. That's how I learned about what to do, what not to do, and I was always, and I still am to this day, when I get back behind the curtain, how did it look? Was it okay? Did it work out? Um, did it look good? Did it sell? Um, because it's so important for a manager, and I, that's why I watch these other guys, Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, Lou Albino, the Grand Wizard, Paul Heyman, looking at these people, um, manage these, these individuals, because the job of the manager isn't to get out there and get your shine, is to put you over, the wrestler over. And a lot of people forget that, you know? So I still learn every day, but I hope that answers your question. No, no, it definitely does. We talk about it all the time here because it's a lost art. You know, when I, when I you know, grew up, I grew up in the early 80s, right? And, and, and you know, those managers, to your point, you had guys who just really couldn't speak or they could speak, but they weren't as articulate and the manager kind of helped get their whole character, their whole story over. And, and, and now though they, that role doesn't really exist anymore, right? So now you still got guys that can't speak. You still got guys that kind of are articulate. Now what happens is they, don't, they just don't get the, the time, right? They just say, hey, look, you're just getting the ring. They don't get the time to really express themselves and get that character over because they don't have that role anymore. Well, you think about this and you know, your point's well taken. Because where would Brock Lesnar be without Paul Heyman? Absolutely. Let me tell you, Brock, Brock Lesnar was down at, at OBW when John was there. Um, I had the chance to meet him. Um, you know, but I'll tell you, wonderful human being. But he can wrestle. He looks the part. He is the part. But give him the stick. Look at Roman Reigns. Outstanding individual. They finally made the right decision and did the right thing with Roman Reigns. 
If they had done that when they started, this kid would be on top of the world, yeah. top of the world, because somebody decided, oh, you're going to be a baby face. We're going to put him over. No, man, you should have made him a tweener. Let him turn heel, turn heel on that group that he was with and really let him do what he's doing now. But where would Reigns be without Paul Heyman? Because Reigns has got the look. He's tremendous athlete. He can do what you want done. Again, hand him the stick. What's he look like? Well, I'm out here going, da -da 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 -da, that's all, folks. No, come on. What are you kidding me? You just made a jerk out of a great performer, and he can't do the line right anyway. So managers fill the role. If they don't start bringing back managers, they're really losing something, both male and female. They're losing something. I'm glad you said that. So now I got to go ahead and ask the question that we ask everybody. What do you think about the current products of professional wrestling compared to, you know, when you kind of first started, when John was doing his thing and what we got going on now? And I'm not just talking about one company, even though it sounds like you're a straight shooter, so you'll say what you got to say, but just pro wrestling as a whole. I get in trouble all the time. I'm going to say this. Once the man behind the curtain said, it's wrestling entertainment, that's when it kind of all started to go to hell. Um, I remember doing a show for a Spanish promotion in Lawrence where we, the faces, were had to be on this side of the field in a different dressing room. You'd never see a face and a heel. And I got to give a shout out to the Kowloon restaurant, Saugus, Massachusetts, the Wong family, best food. You, if you guys are ever up this way, you give me a shout. We're going for Chinese food. The best, let me tell you. But there again, you've got heels and faces in the same room. It doesn't work. The product today has lost the believability it had when I was a kid. Boy, you stood there and you went, Sam Martino's bleeding. Ivan Kolak just killed Bruno San Martino. Oh, my God. Look at Pedro Morales. He's in the ring. He's paralyzed. Don Leo Jonathan. I remember that match in Boston Garden. I said, why the hell are they putting fishnets over the garden when they were setting up? Because now I, I had moved from heaven, getting closer to hell. You follow what I'm saying? Down the lowest seat. They were throwing empty beer bottles and whiskey bottles into the ring. So by the time that match was over with Don Leo Jonathan and Bruno San Martino or Pedro Morales it was, that net was full of bottles. If they were nickel bottles, probably walk out with five, six hundred bucks that night. Um, but the product today has lost something. The product today has lost its believability. Uh, the product today is offering short storylines. There's nothing for the fan to connect with, nothing to hang on to. My God. A guy wins the title, and 30 days later, it's gone. Let's look at the ridiculous situation they put my friend out to. That 24-7 title ought to be 27-4 out the window. What an embarrassment to professional wrestling. I'm a straight shooter. I, you know what? Yeah, yeah, Maybe that's sure. why WWE doesn't call me anymore. But um, <laughs> what an embarrassment to our truth. A great performer. A great human being. I used to talk to him all the time when I was allowed backstage and when I was working there. What a great human being. But to put this 24-7 thing out there, you know, I'm going to give you an idea how bad I think the product was. You all saw the Royal Rumble? Yep. Yep. 
Okay. It was, uh, what do you think in those women, and they undersell women all the time in this business, and some of those women could probably kick some of those guys' asses, yeah. especially Asuka, but why, why during the women's match would you have that stupid 24-7 title thing run out yeah. there and disrupt their Royal Rumble? You would not do that to the men, not in your That's best day. That's stupidity. So the product is, is not where it should be. The caliber of individual coming up. You know, I was talking with, with a friend of mine, Boston Wrestling, Dan Marotti. Kevin Nash made a comment once, and he said, when I walked in the locker room when I was in the business, you were in the room with a bunch of wrestlers. Now you look like you're in the locker room with a bunch of models. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Daryl, I, I, I gotta ask you, John, I gotta, since you brought it up, I know you probably heard about what Undertaker said the other day, right? Undertaker made a reference and all the new guys got all offended. He basically said back in the day, now granted, we don't want guns in the locker room. We get that. But he was saying, you know what he was trying to say, the guys were tough. They looked like, you know, big muscle guys that could beat up. They don't. They weren't your buddy that you go play video games with and go to 7-Eleven. But a lot of the guys got offended by that statement. What do you think about what Undertaker said, man? I commented this. If you saw the podcast, my uh, fabulous Friday night that I do for BostonWrestling.com, um, it was right after SmackDown. I think it's going to air this Friday. Um, we just we just taped it, or was it last Friday? My comment was, hooray for The Undertaker. It's about time somebody sits down and says, hey, folks, let's get real. This is thought. The WWE is thought. It's not wrestling. These guys don't know what it is to get in there. I mean, look at a guy. Let's take The Undertaker. Look what he's given this business. 24. Beat up. I mean, beat up. Look at Mick Foley. Yeah. Look at these guys that were in the business. Let me ask you, look at the last show. How many of these guys look like wrestlers? They all come out, do their thing. Hi, how you doing? Uh, you know, I mean, excuse me. Why not put me in there? I'm shot that and ugly. I don't look like a wrestler, but maybe I could get over. You see where I'm going with this? Oh, so yeah. I think Mark Callis, uh, The Undertaker, I think he hit the nail right on the head. I know a lot of people were offended, but sometimes you've got to look in the mirror and face the truth. And if you can't face the truth, then you don't belong looking in the mirror because he called it the way it was. People don't like it. I believe before he started, he said, this was probably going to piss a lot of people off. Well, you know what? That's what happens when you tell the truth. A lot of people can't take it. You know, and he it, it, said exactly what needs to be said. And that's why that Kevin Nash thing came into play. I was going to say, John. I mean, this 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 came up in our last uh, call. Very something similar to this. And 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 the whole thing is when you're when you're a kid and you're looking at those guys in the ring. And like, and I take my my kids. And they look. They watch wrestling with me. And they they'll watch something from the eighties and go, "Oh my god, that guy is looking." They, they're they're scared. They're they're perplexed. They're, their eyes are glued. You look at the guys here now. And it's, it's not just about size, it's just looking dangerous and looking like you're actually serious and, this, and what's going on is a serious situation, you know, that, that you're, I'm out to hurt you. I'm going to kill you if I can in that ring. And, and, and that's not what it's about anymore. It's about, hey, I'm going to make you laugh if I can in the ring. And, and, that's, and that's the whole thing that's lost. Kofi Kingston, Biggie Woods, you know what? I've had enough of that. 
that does not belong to professional wrestling anymore. If you want comedy, the Kowloon's got a comedy club. Get out there and do your thing. It's those guys are tremendous wrestlers. I worked with Kofi Kingston on the indie circuit with Carrick Wrestling. Um, he's a great performer, as is Big E, as is Wood. I just think that, that <clears throat> excuse me, comedy has its place. Don't get me wrong. If you look at the early 80s and 70s and you look at the pro wrestling, there was a little bit of laughter in there, but it wasn't like it is now. It's a joke. It's funny. Are you kidding me? Take a look at the product now. Take a look at the individuals involved in this product. And I'm not knocking any one of these young men or women. They break their asses every night so you and I can enjoy something. But it just isn't there. You know what? I'll tell you who makes it look real. The Fiend. I'll you know what? When I first met that young man in the back is uh, Bray Wyatt. That's how old school used to be. Old school was there. You know, it was believable. People followed him. There was a storyline. He was a wrestler. He wasn't jacked. Yep. He wasn't this superhuman individual. He was a guy from the swamps. You know, I, and there are some others out there, you know, that I don't think have been given the chance that they should have been given. Um, that still have, Randy Orton is, and I, you know, I get a little thing with Randy Orton. As yeah. people would say, you get a kick out of Orton. Yeah, I sure do. Uh, Randy, <laughs> another story for another time. But um, anyway, um, Ray, if you look at Randy Orton, there's old school. Yep. Notice how that man works. You notice the psychology in the ring. Notice the psychology reaction to the people out there. He knows when to turn it on, when to turn it off and make it work. He's, he's not soft. Yes. He isn't. Drew McIntyre, working his butt off, will he succeed? Ooh, another story for another time. Roman Reigns has got a very good chance if they don't trample him. Look what they did to Braun Strowman. Yeah, yeah. Another young man that had a chance. So, you know, I, I don't know. I really don't. But I, I don't just what The Undertaker said. I think that just because somebody looks you in the eye and says to you, John Cena Sr., you're fat. Well, you're right, I am. But I don't like to hear that. I wear black clothes that make me look thin, right? Baloney, man. Face back. Get real. And when somebody tells you that product is not good, you know what? Undertaker came out and said, how many Huna Karatas can you do? How many flips can you do? I'm here to see professional wrestling. You know, when I went to watch it as a young man, I brought my sons. They never did any of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was Argentina Rocco who did that kind of thing. But the basic business was wrestling. I'm here to beat you up. When Ivan Kolov came out, they booed him. They booed him. When the Wolfman came out, people were afraid. Chief J. Strongbow, they were behind this man 150%. Tell me he was jacked up and muscle bound. No, yeah. he wasn't. And he wasn't soft. Those guys went out there and beat the hell out of each other and made you believe mm -hmm. they were doing it. You know, I watched AEW. I watched some Impact, and I watched WWE Raw and SmackDown. And I'm going, you know what? God bless you for doing what you're doing, but why are you telegraphing the move? Even the Royal Rumble, take a look at it. Why are they standing there going, okay, I got my head down. I'll wait. Yeah, coming up the top oh. rope. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know what? <laughs> or the man comes off, or the woman comes off the top rope. Don't worry. We'll catch you. Come on. You know what? Oh, my God. That's, yeah. well, John, that's being soft. John, for that's many years, I was in a... 
for many years, I was an independent wrestling circuit. I actually did get a trial, but I was too fat, so they didn't want me in WWE. But regardless of that, I said that to say, um, now I still do announcing for independent promotions. So you're talking about somebody that's seen this for 15 years. And exactly, I see guys come through 20 years old. When they talk in the back, their script is this long of the match that they're going to do because they're going to end up sitting there just listening to the guys talk. They already got 48 flips off the top rope coming off the ceiling. They don't know if the fans are going to react to it, but they already got it written down. And I just shake my head at the guys like, yes, you, you have a nice body. And, you know, you can do this athletic stuff, but you, do you really know if you're connecting with the people? Well, you know, the problem with that is, and I'm in the back with these guys too, and I'm saying, you know what? God rest his soul. Killer Kowalski would always say this. You know the opening? You know the close? Fill it in the middle. Never mind this crap in the back. You're going to throw me against the ropes. I'm going to do the hunikunrata. It doesn't work because if somebody screws up, now you're enemies, number one. You know what? It just doesn't make any sense. I remember doing a match with Donovan Dijak against a young man uh, for Atlantic Pro Wrestling. Hopefully, they're still going to be in business. I enjoy working for them. Uh, they're out of Newburyport. But um, here's Donovan Dijak. I know from Sorry from NXT. He's what, six, six and a half feet? Big boy. Yeah. Big boy. This kid's small. Probably five, five, ten, whatever. He goes out and he gets Dijak down three times on one knee. Uh, three times. And finally, it's a pin. I go in the back and I said, you know, hey, what the hell's going on here? Do you realize how hard we worked to get you to that point, Donovan? And now you're down three times. It's like Ron Strowman. The Giants been killed. You know the answer I got from the young man? I said, what the hell are you doing? You're supposed to go out there. And you were going to, it was like two and a half minutes. You were out there for eight minutes. What happened? Quote, unquote. How else was I going to get my shine? It ain't about you. And the other thing you got to remember, all those dudes going out there doing hunikamaradas, flips, coming off the 16-foot ladders and breaking their, I don't know what, what the hell is the second match going to do? Yes. What's everybody else going to do after that? It's already been done. It's over. You just ruined the whole card, excuse me, for every brother and sister that we have in this group. So, so fans, so anybody listening to the show, any workers, when you hear that, that saying, get my shit in, throw that out of there. Stop <laughs> saying that. Throw it out of there. That's We're not saying that no more. Get my shit in. Throw it out of there. I know you hear that. Oh, it's oh, Daryl talk. I can't take it. You know, you know, I, I, I got a, I got one question because I was watching this on Tiger Woods. Uh, it's on HBO Max. They have a documentary. You know, they're talking about Tiger Woods and his father. And 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 when Tiger was just a little kid, the dad knew that this was going to be this guy was going to change golf. You know, that's what he said all through his life. You know, Tiger Woods is going to change golf. With what you know about wrestling and what you've seen with Bruno and Stan Hansen and, and Pedro Morales. And then you got this kid. Did you know? Did you know that, hey, you know, this guy is, is going to be out there too? Or was this kind of like a complete shock that just came out of nowhere? I had no idea that you're talking about John Jr. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had no idea that for 16 years, this young man would do what he did. I, I, I You know, when I saw him in California or UPW, uh, Ray Orton was there, uh, Victoria, Cena, uh, uh, Samoa Joe. I figured, well, you know, okay, good luck. It'd probably be a year or so, and then what the hell you do after that? If you told me this is how it was going to go, and believe me, I don't know anything about anything, and I'm saying it right up front. 
I think Cena's going to be back. Not till time, but he'll be back. Um, I was floored. I, I still am when I look at the, the run that this young man had. You know what? Austin, Rock, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan, John Cena. Take a look at all those people. Look what they did for the business. And as they begin to phase away, uh, you know, Cena comes in and I'm going, wow. You know, I, I said this many times. Cheer him a boom. I don't care what you do, but you have to love what he and everybody else does to make sure that you go home happy. You know, I'll, get, I'll make you chuckle. Um, I was in the front row. There were five guys behind me. Uh, I'm sitting there. John's in the ring. He's wrestling. These guys are yelling, you know, Cena sucks. You ain't no good. You can't wrestle. And I, I turn around and they go, oh, hey, Mr. Cena, how you doing? I say, good, guys. I said, look, I don't mind you saying Cena sucks. I don't mind you saying all the things you're saying about him, but would you just do me a favor? And they said, what's that? Would you take his T-shirt off? They're all going to see the shirts on. Yeah. I mean, please. You know, how much sense does that make, really? Um, but again, not to, I digress. I'm sorry. But, you know, I never, ever, for, for one thing, it's like, wow, was I blown away to think that this young man, and, you know, John, ever since he was a little guy, would never quit, never give up. This, you know, he excited lifting weights because he was bullied. Um, he would not be put down. He was determined that he would succeed. And as many times as he failed, he would get up and start over it. Um, and so I guess that comes from my father, maybe the Italian side, me. Um, I have no idea. But again, you hit the nail on the head. I have no idea he would be what he is or where he is today. Well, after his amazing run, as you said, you believe that he will come back. He's heralded as one of the best ever. Where do you rank him? Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot, man. You got Hogan, you got Flair, you got Taker. And I know this is some, but step away from that. Where do you rank John in the top wrestlers of all time? Daryl, make sure when we record this, you put an exclusive right underneath his face, too, by the way. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know what, Carol? I'm not going to answer it. Listen, but what the hell? Don't answer it. You know what? How do you? Here's what I'm saying. How do you, and and it's just me, how do you take people, um, and I'm going to start at where I think it begins, how, you know, Hulk Hogan was at the right place at the right time. That's all I can say about Hogan. Tremendous actor, tremendous, you know, he brought it together. Right time, right place. But let's look at some of the other greats that aren't there. You know, let's look at The Undertaker, one of the top guys in the business. I mean, he belongs in that lineup. Um, you know, you've got other individuals who aren't here anymore that belong, the junkyard dog. Man, I used to love that man. You know, um, we lost a great, great guy, Kamala. I worked the show with him twice. Where is he? Everybody that you're asking me about has contributed to make this business grow and be what it should be. Nobody, and I haven't met anybody that said it's all about me. Some of the younger guys today, you know, coming up, yeah. You know, they use the word I, I. You know what I means to me? Get lost. I'm not interested. It's a we business. We go out there. We put our lives in your hands. 
We take care of each other and we entertain the people. So to say, where does Cena fit? You know, I, I listen to people say to me, oh, he's, he, he's the number one guy. He's the biggest there ever was in professional wrestling. That's an opinion. That's an opinion. Um, do I disagree with that? He's done a lot for the business. But The Undertaker, take a look at what he did in 24 years in that business. You know, take a look at some of these other, other men and women. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin. If Austin didn't break his neck, if Dwayne Johnson hadn't left to do acting and start his own business, look at what he could have accomplished in the business. So where do you put these people? All I say is they're all lined up. If somebody wants to sit there and go number one through 15 and Cena's number 14, God bless you. If you want to say Cena's number five or number two, God bless you. I say he did what I would do or I think you both would do. We did our job to make our business grow, take care of our brothers and sisters, and we don't give a damn about number one or number 15 because we're all in this together. That's the real answer I wanted to hear. I'm actually joking. Daryl, edit that part out. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) No, man. Well, (laughs) right now, I want to do a segment that we do every episode. It is called Book Yourself. So John Cena Sr., well, Book Yourself is is real simple. In 2021, if you were to place yourself uh, anywhere in the business, where do you think you would place yourself to make the business grow and help. So John Cena, book yourself. I suppose after what I've been seeing, I would probably book myself in a writer producer position. Um, Or see, I get two shots. Or I would like to work with the young people, um, bring it up to the ranks, helping character development, uh, progression, ring psychology, understanding what the business is all about. I think that's where it all goes. That's that's the beginning and that's the end because it all starts on paper. And if you can't make what you write come to life, Bruce Pritchard, great guy, you know, Paul Heyman, great guy, Shane McMahon's doing some producing now. I think um, that's what we need more of. Uh, would I like to be in the ring? Would I like to be Johnny Fabulous? Absolutely. Did I enjoy what I did with the WWE and would I like to do it again? Absolutely. Do I think after this interview they'll ever call me again? Probably not. <laughs> so it's not the first time I've said this interview. So I don't know. I guess that's where I really would book myself because you know, after you you perform or you reach that age of performance, I think there's a place. Um, you know, professional wrestling is like acting. Once you get the grease paint on your face, you just can't get it out of your blood. I don't care what you do, it's there. So if I can't bump anymore, and I still bump as a, as a manager, I still get in there and do a couple of tag matches um, and take a, some good wax. But um, when that's over, then there is life after wrestling as tra- you know, writer, producer, putting the shows together, running the back, commentary, ring announcing. To put myself in one role, I think that's kind of hard. I really do. For me, anyway. Um, for me, anyway. Um, so I, I, I hope. I, I guess I skirted your question and never really answered it. 
So I meant what I said, but I really didn't think what I said was right. So I really didn't mean what I said to start with anyway. So if you're all confused, good. Yo, this guy is amazing. Anybody from Hollywood watching this, hey, bring this man on everything. He's amazing. Daryl, go ahead. No, I was gonna add add on to that. Is there is there a band-aid? Is there one area that you think would help the most? Like, you know, like, is it a man? Is it throwing managers back in there? Is it more tactic? Is there any quick band-aid, quick fix, or is this just a long haul to get things turned around? Is there anything that you could really inject up front to make things different? Yeah, yeah, I, I do think there's a quick fix. Uh, and I'm not sure it's going to fix it right away. I think it begins in the writing room. Yep. You cannot have people writing storylines that have never, ever watched professional wrestling or ever been involved in this business. That'd be like you trying to tell me you're a brain surgeon and all you've done for the rest of your life was write books. That's great. You may be smart, but you're not open in my head. First of all, there's nothing in there. But, you, you know, Why? So it all starts with that group of people in that think tank that say, I've got a storyline for Daryl. I get a storyline for Whip. This is the way we're going. This is how it's going to be. But you know the problem with it? Now, I, I think I've hit kind of the nail on the head. Storylines stop, and in two weeks, the breaks go on. There's no more, no more story. It's over. Isn't wrestling telling a story? Shouldn't it be longevity? I'm going to tell you something. I predict Edge versus uh, McIntyre for the championship. They're going to drag that out to WrestleMania. That's telling a story. That's making it work. Stop with the writing, work on the production, train these kids so they don't have to read script promos and let them say what's inside. And I think you end up with a tremendous product. And then, as the Undertaker said, let's not be soft anymore. Right, right. So I do want to ask you this. Who are some of your favorite guys you do like to watch? You talked about it a little bit. But who are some of the current stars you do enjoy? I know we talked about Randy and Drew, but anybody else? Yes. Uh, I really enjoy The Fiend. I really enjoy The Fiend. I think that that young man, uh, I said this, and everybody thought, take him away and change. I thought it would have been nuts if at WrestleMania, it would have been Undertaker against Bray Wyatt or The Fiend. And what would have happened there, and I know what happened, Brock Lesnar and, and, and them, they had decided already it was already done. But could you imagine if, if The Undertaker wasn't really pinned, but swallowed up by the underworld? Here's The Fiend or Bray Wyatt with the urn saying, I got the whole world in my hand. Lightning hits that urn, it explodes, and we have a hologram of The Undertaker saying, I will not rest in peace. Ring outside starts to catch fire. I mean, there's a storyline that goes on and on and on. Kane could help the fiend out with that because yeah. now we've got Sister Abigail really coming out with the little blonde girl, which I think they waited too long to bring out. Um, but I do, I do think the Fiend, uh, when he was Bray Wyatt, tremendous, tremendous athlete. Um, you know, there are some other guys out there. Um, see my mind. It's not um, oh, when I look around. I see um, Roman Reigns, and I got. I'll be right up front. If you've seen any of our interviews, podcasts, I really tore that kid apart. I felt bad. I just said it like it was. You know, you like me, fine. If you don't. 
like uh, Rollins, block us on Twitter. Good luck. Have a nice day. Facebook. I, good. Thank you. Um, but you know what? There's a guy that I said is in the wrong position. He can't do what he's supposed to do. He won't be the number one guy. It's just not going to happen. And now they made the move, and look what's happening. This kid's going to be on top. I'm behind him 101%. I actually want to watch Roman Reigns. Yeah. Um, you know, Brock Lesnar. Um, I want to watch this guy. Big E, underrated, undersold. This kid's got a good chance. Cesaro is another young man that I think is being, you know, shot. Dolph Ziggler, another young man that's being shot down the alleyway. Um, Kobe Kingston. T take a look at some of these young individuals that can tell tremendous storylines. And I enjoy watching them, the current market today. Female wrestlers, look what you have out there now. For the Royal Rumble, I guess they couldn't find 30 women. You notice what they brought back? It's okay. You know, I couldn't see him, but it's okay. <laughs> you bring people back like Victoria, Lisa, Lisa Marie Dallin, I don't know if she had heat with the company or what. I have no idea. But I'll tell you what, a lot of knowledge in that head. Yeah. Natalia, another young lady that's been undersold and underrated. You know, oh, well, she's like watching paint dry. No, she isn't. Put her in there with the right person. Mickey James and her. Uh, look what happened with Trish Stratus and Mickey James. Yeah. Look what you can create. So these are people that I really look up to and, and young people that I'm seeing. In the ring now, I like Bailey. Yes. I think Bailey has got that edgy heel thing. I can remember sitting ringside, and it was her and um, I think it was Sasha. In a match, and so Harry Ann cheered for them, and she turns right around. And she said, "John Cena's father, shut up, <laughs> keep your mouth shut." <laughs> okay, I'll cheer for the other crowd. Um, but she's really got that. She's got you on edge. She's a great little heel. I hate to say it, but uh, I was in shock when Sports Illustrated said that Sasha Banks was the number one pro wrestler of the year. I don't know about you. This is water, but it should have been vodka when I heard that. Um, yeah. that was just crazy. I'm mean, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And I work with Sasha on the Indies. And I like the boss too. I think but the boss is great, but not I didn't think not this year wasn't. Yeah, not this year. But I I got to I got to throw one more in there. And I'm going to I'm going beyond, but I got to throw one in there cuz you've talked about booking all these people in these scenarios. Book John Cena's heel turn. You know as you're you you've been a heel. You know how great it is to be a heel. I know you've thought about it. Book John Cena becoming a heel. When should it have happened? How should it happen? Come on. You know you wanted to do. You know you wanted to see it. One, John Cena, if you remember, started out as a heel. You got to remember it goes this sure. way. The young man kid won wrestling day. <laughs> he went in the ring and started his thing. He went in there and did his bling bling thing. He said, listen to me, guys. I'm sharp and cool. They ain't a wrestler here. You're all real fools. Because I'm telling you now, you're going to see... I'm a doctor, Saganamas, and it's going to be one, two, three, in the ring or in the screen. I'm the guy that can't be beat, right? So let me tell you right now. You will, in my opinion, I know nothing more than you. And I really mean this. I have no inside tracks, no friends that call me and say, hey, John, this is the way it's going to be. Uh-uh. <laughs> I don't see you on a podcast like one friend. My friends in WWE have told me, what you do? Sit in the bathroom and read the paper? I have no idea. John Cena will never be here. I can never see that coming unless 
there is a real reason for it to happen. And right now, um, if Cena came back for WrestleMania. So now let me twist it. I like doing this. You guys are great, by the way. And thanks for allowing me to be part of your show. Um, if you would have booked Cena for WrestleMania, who would you book him against and why? Darrell, what do you think? There you go. Mm. See, that's what happens when we bring a podcast on the show. He flips the questions on us. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, The reason why I said win, because, you know, I'm thinking about in the past, you know, the opportunities where it might have made more sense to turn him heel. If you bring him in now, and if you especially make him heel, I don't know who it goes to to make it. I don't know. You got me on the spot. And Deshaun, I'll push it to you. I, I don't know who's ready for that opportunity that can really run with it. I don't know. And I'll be straight honest. I don't know. I don't know. Now, let me ask you, what, Darryl, what about this, though? We, even though we got what's going on with Drew McIntyre, you don't maybe see something kind of how Roman came in and attacked and turned heel on Bray. You couldn't see maybe John coming after Drew McIntyre's big match and boom, taking him out and saying, you can do it. this is still my house it. at the end of WrestleMania. You, you can do it. John Cena can be healed against anybody. I think for it to really work and really to get the benefit of John, it's just like Undertaker. Undertaker losing anybody, obviously somebody's going to get a push. But to really get the utility of John Cena being healed, I don't know if Drew McIntyre even is the right person that deserves that honor. It's like the Undertaker. Who deserves uh, the honor saying. of John Cena healed? I don't I think it's Drew. I don't think it's Drew. Let me say this. One, because of his involvement with all his charities, um, because of the limitations of what he's got, doing now, I think that like any of us in this business, it's time to, and he's put a lot of people over. I don't care what any of the dirt sheets say. I don't care what any of these basement bozos that have nothing better to do but hide in dark basements and say, Cena sucks, he's a heel. He hasn't put anybody over. Baloney. Like, even if I wasn't his father, I've been in this business long enough to know what putting somebody over is. It's the rub. You know, when Owens had the rub, that was what put Owens over. And he beat him. That's all that counts. So people don't understand this business. If I were to book John Cena as a heel, I would probably, if you really wanted to solidify a change with a character, and it's only me, I probably would wait till Roman Reigns turn face. Because I will say this, and you you all can can come down on me, and every fan out there, I'm sure, is going to write you all these. He's, you know, take him back to the home. He's probably going to drool on his drip on his bib. Um, <laughs> I, I just say this: there will never be one man or one woman that will ever carry the WWE on their shoulders again. Hogan, Austin, uh, Dwayne John, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Um, Cena, you know, uh, Roddy Piper's, you will never find, you don't see it now. You don't see, I look at it, look, I look at Seth Rollins. I, I look at some of the other people that they have, Dolph Ziggler, I'm looking at him saying, where do I see the next big star? I'm sure McMahon 
sits behind his desk, you know, I don't see anybody out there yet. I got them. Fire, fireball. I don't want. Where is that? You tell me. I watch pretty closely. Don't get me wrong. If Roman Reigns gets over the way they should bring him over, that'll be heel, tweener, tweener, face. Okay, then he's over. He might carry it for a year or two. There will be nobody like an Austin or a Rock or a Hogan that will carry that, or a Cena, that will carry that organization. I'll use my son, 16 years. Nobody will carry it that long. Nobody. No, I do um, agree with I that. I don't see it there. But I've always heard, especially in the last couple of years, I've heard that there's act, that's actually by design for the reason that, um, like you talked about, uh, Austin and The Rock. Uh, the Rock went on to make movies and start his own business. His brand almost became as synonymous with WWE, or even bigger than WWE, even Cena. Now Cena's doing Transformers, all these big... They actually, from my understanding, don't want anybody to be that big again because now you're on... They're on your time as opposed to they can always have access to you. You know what I mean? They have to really work their schedule to be able to get Cena. They got to work their schedule to get The Rock. They don't really want to ever have to be that in that bind again. That's what I've heard anyway. Yeah, I don't know if that's true or not. I know that people like, you know, Cena, for example, I remember when he started out and even now, uh, when he's still, you know, doing his all, 325 days a year on the road. That's a long time. Radio, TV, uh, doing the ring, flying down, flying back, then flying back. They don't, nobody, I haven't seen anybody yet. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, same way. Look at the stuff The Rock did. Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin. I mean, you know, these were people that are, you don't see. I haven't seen an Austin or a Hogan yet. You know, McIntyre's got size. That's great. So is Braun Strowman. He's buried in the back room. Why? Yeah. What happened here? Well, how long before Drew McIntyre swallows his own sword? Before they go, well, you, you tried. I, as much as I like McIntyre, I, he's got the look. Uh, I just felt bad for him at that Royal Rumble match with Goldberg. I mean, that jackhammer was, thank God, everybody came out of it okay. But, um, you know, I don't think he's the guy that's going to make it work. I really don't. Seth Rollins, keep dreaming, buddy. It's not happening. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't see the next big star quote unquote and if you mean to carry the wwe from here on out i don't think that's ever ever going to happen again a one a two-year three-year maybe you'll never see a run like 15 years 16 years five years hogan whatever he's won bruno san martino and then off up here carried it like forever how many guys carry now there's a storyline how long did he hold that belt seven years six years that's Let's take a look at it for real. So I guess I don't I don't see it happening. For, for me, for that, I, I think they the best they could do is they do what they did with Hogan, right? Hogan heel in WCW, you can say it was Sting or whoever, but Sting, it didn't really work, right? It was really Goldberg came out of nowhere and became and got that rub that they ruined. I think if, if they could have Cena, you know, if he had the, the mindset and the time to do it, linger, have him linger out as a heel for a while, and I don't think you're right. I don't think the guy is there. And maybe a guy will rise up that will match with him and dance with him. And then that will happen. And Cena, heel Cena has kind of lingered around until that happens. But I don't think there's a person right now that that's that's worthy of it. If John Cena ever goes heel, I would think 
that will be very close to when he hangs up his boots. Uh, that would be my guess. I don't know. My, I don't. We don't talk business. Right. I know nothing about his personal life. I don't want to. Uh, or about his wrestling life. Um, I just don't. I don't see that happening in the big picture. Um, you know, I, I'm just wondering who Reigns is going to face at WrestleMania. <laughs> and I'm looking at WrestleMania and I'm going, there's only one guy now that he can face. And if they want to make, now see, here again, see how my mind works. Um, if you want to make Cena 17-time world champion, that's the place to do it. Put up against Roman Reigns and let him take the belt. And then you can have Reigns the next night, come up with some gimmick, beat Cena, it's over and done with. Done. Now you could have Reigns now turn face and beat Cena. And I don't think they're going to boo him like everybody thinks they are. The longer you keep somebody out of the picture, the more people want to buy the pizza or the ice cream. And the more they want to see the superstar, there'll always be that faction of let's go Cena, Cena sucks. You know what? Kurt Angle, Angle sucks. But you know what? There's always the sheep that follow the goats. Um, but when you turn to people, uh, when I was in California after WrestleMania, well, your son's my holy kid, blah, blah. You know what? I understand the business. That's, that's the way it is. And there are people that truly hate. Not just him, but other people. They hate. Hate's a bad word. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't see it happening. I don't see anybody there, and I have to agree with you, Daryl. I don't see anybody right now um, that's in the position where they need that rub. Maybe Reigns needs that last rub of beating Cena on the big stage to put him over as King Heel. Maybe he needs that. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, who would I put Reigns up against? I have no idea. I'd like to see belt versus belt. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, before, before we get out of here, I do have to ask this question because I uh, saw you make this comment not too long ago. AEW, you said, hey, I'm here. My, uh, <laughs> my phone is available. What was that all about, man? Uh, where, where's your loyalty, man? <laughs> See, when yeah. you say on the internet, we always nobody, remember. Nobody told me when I did the show that I was going to be in the hot seat. But anyway, I've been in hotter seats before. So here's the deal. I simply said that AEW has a wonderful product. And if you remember, when I did the main event and Randy Orton was beating the living daylights out of me, who came in and made the save but Cody Rhodes? And um, if, you, if, if you remember, one of the things that they did, they said, what does Cody Rose have in his bag? And it was Fabobox. See? My own money. One million dollar bills. Um, and my own soda pop. Uh, you know. <laughs> so I'm saying AEW has a great product. Um, and I am saying this. That if there reaches a time where. And I don't believe he doesn't have Oh, is AEW? That ain't, you know, that's not going to happen. Don't worry about that. Um, but excuse me, WWE, and John keeps saying it's home, it is. But if you look at WWE, here I am. Hello, we'd like to use in a shot. Something to think about. I remember getting a call because there was a rumor that started that John Cena Sr. was going to WCW. Man, I, what are you crazy? Because they were coming to Hampton Beach Somebody invited me to the show, 
And you know, I'm, I'm, I said, yeah, sure, I'd love to go. Then I'm going, wait a minute, they're going to put me in the front row. The camera's going to be on me. And first of all, they're going to break the camera. So, but what, what are people going to think? They're going to use me to go to poop all over WWE. That's not happening. That just isn't happening. So if AEW gave me a call and said, we'd like to use you in some position or, or some spot, I guess I have to think about that. But would I say no? As I say in every podcast, never say never. Very true. Very true. Daryl. We got them going. I think we got to go to your question, man. We don't yeah, want to hold them no. all night, man. And, and you know, this one might, might be a tough one for you. So what we always ask is like a, a mark-out moment. You know, where's the moment in your career when you're in the locker room or across from somebody, you go, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm across sitting next to this person or sitting across from that person. You know, in your career, you know, because you run the gamut of some great talent. What was the biggest moment where you sat next to said next to somebody and said, "Oh my God, I'm marking out. I can't believe I'm next to this person." It was after a match, and I believe the pay per view. I thought it was I forget Tennessee, wherever. Um, a great human being in my book, Pat Patterson. Uh, I love that man. Uh, he was a great person, great person. Um, but I'm sitting at the bar. Uh, Michael Hayes, John Cena, empty chair, empty chair. I said, kid, you know what? I don't know about you. It's three o'clock or two o'clock in the morning. I got to get some, some shut eye. And he said, you better because the shuttle, the limo is picking us up at 4.30. Well, I said, I got to go to bed. He said, you can't. Somebody's waiting to see you. I was hoping she's tall, blonde, blue eyes. You know, I figured what the hell is Possibly well make it worth my while. It's two in the morning. So I'm sitting there talking to Pat Patterson, and we're talking to Michael Hayes, and, and, and Pat's explaining to me about wrestling. And, and Hayes says, This is Stevens' old man. He's in the business. Oh, why didn't you tell me that? I didn't know I was a mark like on the lot. Then I heard, You know what kind of scotch I drink? Oh, and oh my God. There he is. Right there, right beside me. He did it. They surprised me in Boston. John took me into uh, the grill in Boston. He said, we're gonna go in for dinner. I go in, who am I greeted by? Shane McMahon and Vince McMahon. I tell you, man, I was like, and um, then after this pay-per-view, who comes in and sits there and wants to eat, eat Johnny Walker scotch, red, gold. Yeah, the man likes the scotch. Sitting right there and we're shooting the breeze one-on-one. -on -one. I can't, I tell you, I was like, oh, and then, one other time that I marked out, this would be the third time, my son Daniel was involved in a head-on collision with a car, thank God, in his police cruiser, only his leg was injured. Um, we did a, a show to raise money um, to for Mothers Against Drunk Driving, to uh, pay for breathalyzers, etc. And somebody said to me, I'm going to be at that show. I go, so I'm backstage and I said to John, we're putting the last match together. I said, well, somebody special is going to be here. He said he would show up. Dad, you know, I don't want to be smoking, but get in the ring, grab the girl, give her a kiss. Malonis is going to punch you. You're going to roll out, stay down, get back up. So I take the punch, take the bump. I roll out, get back up. I look up and here's this man looking down at me. Now this is an indie show. 1,500 tickets we sell. 
I look up and I say, what are you doing in my ring? And Vince McMahon said to me, whatever I want. That's the third time I mocked out. And I'll tell you something. If you don't know the generosity this man has in his heart and the love for this business he has, to do that for a guy like me, nobody, a nobody. And to, for, for a fundraiser, wow. I got to tell you something. Three times. Boston, Tennessee, I think it was after the pay-per-view and then at my son's show. I was like in awe, in awe that this man would do this, this type of thing. So I guess that's it. In terms of wrestlers, um, who was I like, wow, I can't believe I'm in the same room with? Uh, I, I always was a fan of Captain Lee. And when I did a show with him, it was like, I can't believe it. Can I have a picture with you? I, and I will say this. You can never find any show I've done that I've taken a picture with any stuff. I, I just don't do it. I, for some reason, it's, I guess it's, it's courtesy or whatever. Um, God rest his soul. I did a show with Roddy Piper. I wish I'd have taken the picture with Roddy. Great human being. But there again, maybe there's another mark out. I always loved watching that man. So I guess, I hope that answers your question. Yo, I guess that's it. For sure, for sure. Well, Daryl, do you got anything else, folks? We can't. We can keep them all night. We can't keep them all night, man. No, 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 no. Much appreciated. No, no. I, like you're right. We keep them all night. But uh, uh, no, we you you you've been so generous with your time and answering all of our questions. So no, no. Thank you, thank you. Well, I want to say this, man, and I want everybody listening to hear this. This man really is a great individual. Even our correspondence prior to this, he was just so pleasant. I mean, he would hit me up like, Whip, is this okay? Dot, dot, dot. He's just a great guy, man. So if you ever wonder, are there great people in the wrestling world? He's one of them. And that's serious, man. That's a shoot. Well, guys, we do got to get out of here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. John, we can't get out of here because there's one final segment. And we do it each and every week, and it's called Ring the Bell. That's where I give you 60 seconds to talk about anything. You can promote yourself. You can say something inspirational. Uh, you can talk about what's your favorite liquor. But whatever you want to do, you got 60 seconds, John Cena Sr., to ring the bell. Well, I guess if I'm going to ring the bell, I want to ring it for all the fans. I want to thank all the fans who attend the events with Atlantic Pro Wrestling, Showcase Pro Wrestling, Boston Pro Wrestling, uh, Cousin Larry up in Maine. I want to thank you for being there to support us because without you, there is no pro wrestling. I want to shoot out there and say thank you to all the young men and women who've allowed me to be part of their lives in presenting the entertainment we do. I want to thank you very much for allowing me to do that. I want to thank the Kowloon Restaurant in Saugus, Massachusetts for allowing us dine there and enjoy the fine Asian food they have. You couldn't ask for better hospitality. I just want to thank everybody for their kindness and generosity when they see me. And I hope that I've responded in like and kind. I hope that I get to see everyone at some point, no matter where you are. If I'm at a wrestling show, please, if you see me on the street, please don't hesitate. I'm there. I'm more than happy to stop, more than happy to chat because without you, we don't exist. All I want to say to my two friends, thank you for allowing me to be part of this show. Thank you for allowing me to 
come over here and you know if you kept me on any longer they probably buy you um from being on on, on podcast outside of that i wish everybody a happy life a good life smile the rain ends and the sun always shines walk the road and walk tall no matter how many times you fall and i've been there pick yourself up because it's not how many times you fall it's how long you lay there move on be happy love those closest to you always and family is the greatest gift of all and for my last words again thank you so much gentlemen for allowing me to be part of this and thanks to all the fans that have come out to see me support me and all those young women in wwe aew impact wrestling all the independents thank you good night and god bless one more time, let them know about your Friday night show. Uh, that Friday night show is with uh, Boston uh, Wrestling. It comes right after, Smack, right after uh, SmackDown. As the uh, lights go down on the Dome in Florida, the lights go up on the Fabo Dome, and it's fabulous Friday night. And when, when I say to you, it's no holes barred, um, I'm sure that we've got a whole hell of a lot of feedback coming back on some of the stuff I say there. But I take nothing back. I say it as it is. I call it as it is. I stand behind what I say because, after all, it is my opinion. That's what's up, man. Well, thank you again. Well, guys, as y'all know, we had another great episode. I don't know how we keep doing this for season three. The shows keep getting better and better, man. Great guest. Thank you again, Mr. Johnny Fabulous. Daryl, thank you, as always, for doing what you do. Shout out to Barika our new uh, executive producer in the back, taking care of us. Guys, y'all know what to do. Check us out each and every Friday on all podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, YouTube to watch the videos, Facebook, Instagram. Just put in the Whip Show Podcast. You got any questions, email us at thewhipshowpodcast at gmail.com for Deshaun Whip Dog Whipple and Devastating Daryl Pace and Johnny Fabulous. We will see you next time on the Wrestling Heroes and Insiders Podcast, a.k.a. The Whip Show. Take care, guys. Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll also read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, June Hernandez, and Billy Jack Haynes. And, of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your copy today at LanceByChance.com.